Well, today I want to talk with you again about our vision. You know, last week we kind of started talking about our vision as a church family, and it's our vision that helps us accomplish our mission. That mission that we talked about for like four or five weeks, that of making more and better disciples. And our vision to move beyond ourselves by creating some new opportunities for others that will better allow us to build relationships with more people who do not have yet a church home or relationship with Jesus Christ. That's something we've got to do together. Move beyond ourselves. And as I shared last week, building a community center, starting a new church in Clovis, California, and developing a cash flow fund will allow us to create new things and better things to do just that, to make more and better disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you weren't here last week to kind of hear our our vision kick off, this little handout you got today kind of just explains our threefold vision. And then on the back, it shows the vision that we have for this grass area out here that's yet to be developed. And uh, just take a look at that. And if you leave today, there's some renderings out in the foyer that are bigger. You can kind of really see uh, what we're kind of planning out there. But take this home and, and put it on your fridge or put it in some prominent place and just begin to pray, God, help Canyon Hills, help this church family accomplish this vision that we might make more and better disciples. So take a look at that and take it home and begin to pray. Because it's God who tells us this. And this is our key verse for this series called Beyond Ourselves. God says, in humility, value others or consider others above yourselves, not looking to just your own interests, but each of you. And that means personally, individually, and then corporately as a church, but each of you to the interests of others. There's a whole lot of people in our community that are interested in a whole lot of things. But if somehow we can create some things in their area of interest that would allow them to come and be on this facility and on this property that are not something that's scary. You know, it's really scary to walk into a church for a lot of people never been there. But if we can create some things that we can do here that allow them to be here and the barriers could begin to drop, we might see some people one day walk in here and say, I've met some people I really like, some people I really love, and they've got something that I don't yet have, and that's a relationship with Jesus. And they might begin to seek that relationship. And so God is saying, value others so much above yourselves that you're not just looking what's good for you as a person and not what's just good for you as a church but begin to think about their interests and create things that can draw them to Jesus Christ. So we've got to look beyond ourselves. And that always requires a church family to take some steps of faith, some steps of faith. So that's today why I want to focus on this question. It's really the title of this message. Do I have enough faith for others or just enough faith for me? Do I have enough faith to do these things that God is calling us to do, this vision, to see that accomplished? Or do I have just enough faith for me to slip into heaven? (laughs) How much faith do I have and how much trust do I have in our God? Is it enough faith to bring others along or just enough for me? So today we're going to look at one of my very favorite Bible stories. And in fact, it's the only story that's recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Only one in all four Gospels. 
It's about the feeding of the 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And God has led me to share this story because I think it applies to where all of us could be. When we think about this vision, it applies to where all of us could be, especially coming out of several years of recession. Thinking about, God, how could we do something like this? I know it's good to do something great for others, but how could we do all of this? It's only in faith that we could do this. It's only by steps of faith. It's a great story about a great miracle from the great hand of Jesus. And the bottom line of the story is this. And listen really close. When there is a problem and each person accepts his responsibility to offer what he has to fix the problem, regardless of the odds, God steps in and works a miracle. Now, that's a long sentence, so I'm going I'm to share it again. Listen close. When there is a problem and each person accepts his responsibility to offer what he has to fix the problem, regardless of the odds, God steps in and works a miracle. And this story shares four things that we can do to receive a miracle from God. If we want to receive a miracle that we might accomplish this vision that we're going to be talking about more and more in the next few weeks, there are four steps we have to take. First of all, write this first step down. First, if we want to receive a miracle, we've got to identify the problem. What is the problem that our people in our community are facing? We've got to identify that problem. So let's pick up the story in Mark chapter 6 in your Bibles or take a look at the screen. This is the problem the people were seeing. Take a look at this. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of, of a man's wages. Are we to go out and spend that much on bread to give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. He, Jesus, gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. And scholars tell us that the women and children that were following that day brought the number up to somewhere close to 20,000 people that were fed that day. Now, when the disciples saw the problem of the people, they had three problems. Write this first one down. First of all, the people were hungry. What are you like when you've got a hunger going on? <laughs> when the stomach's growling. Imagine at least 5,000 men and maybe up to 20,000 people that had growling stomachs because they'd been listening to Jesus all day long. They had followed Jesus way out into the countryside. No Taco Bells, no McDonald's nearby. Listening all day, away, a long ways away from food to go listen to Jesus. They were hungry. That was the problem. Second thing, the Lord expected them, the disciples, to feed the people. 
Now the disciples had a bigger problem. (laughs) They had not expected Jesus to expect them to fix the problem. They had simply brought the problem to the attention of Jesus. And they expected Jesus to simply say, you're right, I need to stop teaching so these people can walk back into the villages and find something to eat. But instead, he looked at them and he said, you guys fix the problem. Now they had a real problem. Their Lord (laughs) wanted them to fix the problem. And that was a problem because, and here's the third problem, the disciples lacked the resources to feed the people. Now the Lord was expecting them to do something they couldn't do. They had counted the people. There were 5,000 men there. And they said, we've checked the change in our pockets, and all we have is 200 denarii. There's no way that we can buy enough food to feed all the people. So here's the question. Have you ever gone to God with a problem expecting him to fix it, but then he tells you that he wants you to fix it? Isn't that disgusting? (laughs) God, I want this relationship fixed. He said, humble yourself, get pride out of the way, and you go talk to the person and ask for forgiveness. Say, God, fix this problem. He says, you go fix the problem. So the disciples tell the Lord about the problem. The Lord tells them to go fix the problem, but the disciples don't have the resources to fix the problem, so now they really got a problem. (laughs) And that's exactly where we are as a church. We've got a problem, and the Lord expects us to fix it. Like the disciples, we've got three problems. Number one, the people in our community are hungry. The people right here in our community are hungry. They know they need something more, but most of them don't know what it is. They think if they just make more, they buy more, they drive better, they go more, that they'll be satisfied. And so we need to create the kinds of opportunities that will get their attention so that we can one day have enough of a relationship built with them that we can tell them how their real inner hunger can be satisfied, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen? It's not just through stuff. The people are hungry, and they know they need more. They're looking for more, but they don't know what it is, and they don't know how to get it. Second, the Lord expects us to feed them. We've got hungry people all around us, and he expects us to do what we can do to feed them. And I don't know all the reasons why God has blessed this church. There's been a lot of different pastors who've tried to start churches in this community, and they've struggled, they failed, but for some reason, God has continued to put his hand upon this church again and again and again, allowed us to stand, allowed us to expand, and he wants us to do it again. But like the disciples, we lack the resources to feed all the hungry people. And a lot of times we feel like we don't have the resources to create more opportunities or to start more churches. So like the disciples, we feel like we've got a problem. Hungry people. The Lord expects us to fix the problem, but we lack the resources to fix the problem. So we really do have a problem. Look at the person next to you and say, we got a problem. (laughs) As a church family, we've got a problem. So to receive a miracle, what do we have to do? Identify the problem. And you don't have to go very far. You don't have to listen to many, too many conversations to know that our people today, right here in our community, are hungry and they're looking for something more to satisfy and they don't know what it is. We've got a problem. How do we do stuff that will better let us build honest, authentic relationships so that somewhere along the line, They'll say, what is it that you got that I don't have? You've got a hope. You've got a peace. You've got a joy 
that I don't yet experience. I want to know what that is. The second thing to receive a miracle we have to do is then accept the responsibility. As individuals and as a church, we have to personally accept the responsibility for the hungry people in our community. You see, when the disciples came to Jesus with the problem, he told them they were to fix the problem. Look at this scripture. He said in verse 37, you give them something to eat. Now, up to this point, the disciples expected Jesus to take care of every problem they had. But now, all of a sudden, he expects them to fix the problem. And at that moment, at that moment, they had the same reaction that I think you and I would have had. And possibly the same reactions that some of you are having right now. As you came last week and you, you heard the vision, you saw the, the size of the vision, and you're saying, how in the world are we going to do this? Well, the disciples had three, act, three reactions to the problem. First of all, write this down. First of all, they procrastinated. <laughs> they just waited to see if the problem would take care of itself. Verse 35 says this. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. What's that mean? It means that they saw the people were hungry at breakfast, and they waited. <laughs> they saw the people were hungry after lunch, and they waited. And now it's very late in the day. They must have said, man, surely the Lord will stop teaching pretty soon. But he didn't. Jesus kept teaching, kept going on, going on like some preachers you know. <laughs> and he just kept teaching and teaching. So they put off the problem as long as they could. But now it's late in the day because they procrastinated. Second thing they did, they passed. They tried to pass on their responsibility. Jesus said, you go do this. And they tried to pass the responsibility to somebody else. And here's their solution. This is what they decided they ought to be done. They said, send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So the disciples said, not on my hands, not my deal, don't have to deal with this. We're going to pass this on. They can go feed themselves. That was their solution. Just send them away. Send them away. You know what? There are lots of churches that have that attitude. And there are churches that are not willing to accept the responsibility of feeding the hungry people, so they just send them away. I even had the Lord slap me in the face this week. Uh, it, was, uh, it was Wednesday afternoon, and I was really, really busy, and it was lunch break time, and everybody from the office was gone. I was the last one here. I decided I'm going to go out for lunch. And uh, so I got out outside the parking lot, locked the building, went outside, got in my car, was driving out of the driveway, and just as I was ready to go out, a guy on a bike pulls in, and uh, he'd been riding his bike, you could tell, for a very long time, and, and, uh, and he said, is this, is this a church that gives out food? And I said, yes. <laughs> and I was thinking in my head, oh, man, I am so hungry. I am so starved. And, but I parked the car, brought him in, got him food, prayed for him, blessed him. And it's kind of like, Larry, are you going to feed the hungry people? Are you going to sacrifice? Are you going to take time to feed the hungry people? But a lot of churches are not willing to make more space for people. They're not willing to create opportunities for new people. They're not willing to start new churches and new places for people. So what they're really saying is, send them away. It's not my responsibility. And churches that adopt that attitude ought to be ashamed. Folks, let's never get there. Let's never say it's not our responsibility to reach the hungry people in Yorba Lind and Anaheim Hills and Corona and Placentia and around the world. Let's never do that. 
The disciples said, though, send them away. And Jesus said, no, you give them something to eat. And Jesus' command at that moment gave them their third reaction. Write this down. Then they panicked. <laughs> the disciples panicked. You want us to fix the problem? We just wanted to tell you about the problem. Jesus, you were so into your teaching, we didn't know if you knew the problem. So we just wanted to tell you about it. And then they said to Jesus, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give, them, give it to them to eat? In their panic, they counted their money. They saw they didn't have enough. They re realized that the problem was far bigger than they were. And folks, the truth is this. Our problem to feed the hungry people in this area is bigger than we are. It's bigger than we can handle. Creating new facilities and new opportunities and new churches to feed the hungry is bigger than we can handle. And some may not even want to accept that responsibility. Some would say, send them away. Why do we as a church have to shoulder all of the problem? Why should we be responsible to, for the hungry people in our area? Can't other churches do it? And all I could ever say to people who say that is that whenever God allows us to see hungry people, those are the people that he's put into our path for us to feed. Amen? That's the person he wants us to feed. That, that's the family he wants us to feed. And God has blessed this church, but now he's calling us to do something bigger, something greater to feed people that are hungry, both physically and spiritually. To receive a miracle from God, the first thing we have to do is to identify the problem. And we've got a lot of hungry people that are lost and know nothing about Jesus right here in this community. And we've got to accept our responsibility. And then the third thing, to receive a miracle, then we offer what we have. Offer what you have to fix the problem. You know, when, my, when God called my family to start this church, and it's been over 25 years ago when we were asked to pray about doing that, we had nothing to start with. Only a call in our hearts and a, and a future dream. All we had to offer was just a little bit of experience and a lot of passion to see hungry people come to know Christ. And we had no idea what would happen. We didn't know if anybody would show up. We didn't know if we'd last through year one or year two or year three. And there were some incredibly tough times, but now this church is over 24 years old and has become an effective family. But when we stepped out to start this church to do our part to fix a problem, all we did was just offer what we had as a family. We offered ourselves, our family, our time, our talents, and our treasure and that's all God wants you to do, is to simply offer what you have, to do your part to fix the problem. But too often we worry too much about how the Lord is going to pull off the miracle, <laughs> how the Lord is going to fix the problem. But that's not our job. Our job is to simply offer what we have to Him. But too often we worry about, is the project too big? That's not our job. Our job is saying, God, how could you help us feed the hungry people here? And we'll do our part. And then God does the rest. See, we need to leave the miracles up to Jesus. Amen? <laughs> the miracle part. We just do what God asks us to do. And then he does the miracle. And that's exactly what this little boy did. He offered what he had to the Lord. Offered God his five loaves of Panera bread and his two fillets of salmon from Costco. That's, that's what this, well, it wasn't really, but that's what he did. Two salmon fillets and five Panera breads. 
And the truth is this, God waits to see what you do before he does what only he can do. And that's the miracle. Now, this story also appears in John chapter 6, and that's where we find out about the boy. Matthew and Mark and Luke, they don't mention the little boy. It just talks about the, the loaves and the fish. But in John, it talks about the little boy that offered what he had to fix the problem, that he did his part. You see, when the boy saw the problem, and I imagine he saw the worried disciples running around saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He had three responses to the problem. Write this down. First of all, he gave what he had. What he had in his sack, what he had in his possession, he gave. Second, he gave all that he had. He didn't hold anything back for himself. He gave sacrificially. He kept nothing for himself. He gave all that he had. And then the third thing he did was this. He gave immediately. He didn't wait. He didn't hesitate. He just offered what he had to the problem, and he gave it immediately. Now, the question is, why is it so hard for so many Christians to give what they have to fix a problem? Why is that hard? Well, reason number one is this. It's nowhere on your outline, so you may want to write it down. It's hard to give away what makes us feel comfortable. That's why it's hard. When we're comfortable, it's hard to give that away. You see, he had all he needed in his sack. He had gotten up early in the morning, prepared food for his whole day. He had all he personally needed to stay comfortable all day long. He had enough for himself. So the boy was comfortable. And I don't know about you, but when we have just enough for ourselves, it's hard to give up those things that make us comfortable. Man, it'd be hard to give up the cable TV. It'd be hard for Larry to give up his Frappuccino, you know, to make sure that this vision went forward and, and I did my part. Those things that make us comfortable, it's hard to give those things up. And you see, you could come to church every week. You can enjoy the music. You can enjoy the message. You can enjoy the people and the fellowship and all the special things we do. And you never have to give too much and never have to get too uncomfortable. In fact, you could just keep doing what you've been doing and maybe not really need too much help from God, not need to live by faith in God, not need to trust God for much of anything. Folks, it's hard to give away to others that which makes us comfortable, whether it's a sack full of fish and bread or some money or something that we give up to make sure the vision goes forward. Reason number two it's hard, it's hard to give to others when it doesn't make sense. This little boy could have looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, it looks like to me you've got to feed 5,000 men and some women and children and this is all I got. And it doesn't make sense for me to give this because it's so little. It's not going to make a big dent in this issue at all. So I'm just going to stay comfortable. <laughs> I'm just going to keep my sack and everything that's in it. It's not enough. And the truth is this. When it comes to the problem, when it comes to feeding hungry people in a better way in our community through accomplishing our vision, my gifts won't be enough. Your gifts won't be enough. All of our gifts together won't be enough. But if we all do what God asks us to do, then we get to sit back and watch God do a miracle. Amen? That's what's fun. 
is when we get to watch God do the miracle. When we do our part, God does our part, his part. You see, we can't all give equal gifts, but we can all make equal sacrifice. Our gifts will never be all equal in size, but our sacrifice can be equal. And there's really three kind of levels of giving, and and maybe you can find yourself in one of these levels of giving right now today to accomplish God's vision. The lowest level says, what can I afford? What can I give without giving up anything? Without changing my lifestyle, without giving anything up, what can I give when I don't have to sacrifice? Now, if the boy gave on this level, he probably would have said something like this, I am not willing to give you what I have, at least all that I have, but here's a couple slivers of fish, here's a couple pieces of bread, I hope you can do something with it. That's the lowest level of giving. Now, the middle level of giving asks this question, but what can I sacrifice to see the vision, the problem fixed? What can I sacrifice? What, what can I give if I do give up something else? If Larry does give up his frappuccinos that he likes, and, and if Larry does give up maybe cable TV, what, what, if we sacrifice, what could happen? That's the middle level. The highest level says, what can I trust God to do through me? What can I trust God to flow through me. If I do give something up and I trust God as my source, what can I really give if I sacrifice and trust God to somehow think, make things work in my house? What can I sacrifice and give and watch him do through me? Here's the question. When it comes to getting beyond ourselves, how much can you trust God to, to flow through your life to feed hungry people both physically and spiritually. What could you do? The truth is, when you commit to the Lord what you have, that's when he steps in. And that's when he does the miracle. After you commit what you have to him, the miracle comes, but never before. Never before. But when we take big steps with our big God, we get to watch him make a big difference by multiplying what's been given to him. So to receive a miracle, first we've got to identify the problem. The people are hungry. Then we got to accept the responsibility. It's, it's on us. God wants us to take some steps of faith. Then we offer what we have, and then we expect that miracle. Write that down. We expect that miracle from Jesus. And we can do that when we're following Jesus. When we're following his vision, we're following his will, we're doing what he's called us to do to feed the hungry people, we can expect a miracle. And so I happen to believe if we give what we have, God will multiply it, and he will make it enough to fix the problem. You see, our God still cares about hungry people. Amen? He's never stopped caring about hungry people. And our God is still in the multiplying business. I've had the pleasure of watching God multiply, not only my own family, my own household, but in this church and around the world globally, I've watched God multiply again and again and again. So observation number one as we get ready to close is this. Miracles happen when the project is bigger than the people. <laughs> when the project is bigger than the people, that's when miracles happen. See, some churches do nothing big for God. They only do what they can do all by themselves. You don't need God to turn on the lights and start the music. One preacher said, Lord, give me more power. And the Lord said to him, with plans no bigger than yours, you don't need any more power. <laughs> You see, it's time for us to expect, once again, a big miracle from God. Observation number two is this. Miracles happen 
when the people do their part first. Now, you know about a lot of the miracles in the, in the Bible. But you know, Noah had to build the ark before the rain came. Israel had to walk around Jericho walls before the walls would come down. Moses had to step into the water before the water parted. Naaman had to dip seven times in the Jordan River before he was healed of leprosy. The disciples had to pour water in the jars before Jesus turned the water into wine. You see, God always asks his people to take a step of faith first. And when we step out in faith to do what is right, what he's called us to do, to feed the hungry people physically and spiritually, when we do our part first, then God shows up and does the miracle. Folks, to receive a miracle, we have to identify that problem, accept our responsibility, offer to God what we have to fix the problem, and then we just turn it over to God and say, God, <laughs> we're expecting a miracle. Those of you that were here when we were on our way to this property, you got to see a miracle. Amen? We'll always be known as the church that only had $200,000 in the bank and accomplished a $6.5 million building project. Amen? We're about to move into our 10th year of being here, and God is just blessed and blessed and blessed. He did something that we could not do. Now listen, folks. We'll get to watch God do a miracle through us as we get beyond ourselves to feed others who are hungry, as we get beyond ourselves to do something bigger than ourselves, as we get beyond ourselves and trust God to make up the difference. So as we step out to build a community center, to create more opportunities that will interest others, as we step out to start a new church in Clovis, California, with Pastor David and Elisa and his family, as we step out to develop a cash flow fund to ensure ministries don't stop in low giving weekends and they don't stop during summer months. And don't you like the flow of cash there? Love that photo. Then we can develop a cash flow fund. We'll get to watch God do a miracle for us. Are you guys ready to see a miracle? Only a third of you? I mean, literally, are you ready to see God do a miracle in us again? He's done many here. He's done many through us. Are you ready to see that again? If so, it starts with us. And in the next few weeks, we're just going to unveil more of the vision. We're going to talk more about the real cost and the real journey to get there. But until then, take home this little card. Put it in a prominent place. Begin to say, God, how can I be part of this vision? Let's pray.